Hey, Cam. Yes, I am. Hey, what's your favorite Star Wars movie? Ooh. Ooh, good question. Um, probably, I don't know, probably episode eight. Uh, remind me, let me title that again. There's so many at this point. I, I'm not a huge Star Wars guy, but episode eight is the, probably the first easy. one chronologic. Like, hang on. Okay, full disclosure. I've had a lot of wine tonight. All right, <laughs> let, let's try this again. Episode five. There. Oh, okay. Yeah, the Empire Strikes Back. Yes, yes. There we go. Easy answer. Easy for some, but apparently not for me. My God. <laughs> well, I'm well, glad you picked that one because I actually learned a, a neat tidbit about that. Uh, they cut it out, but they were going to incorporate Luke and Darth Vader uh, getting together for Christmas since it turned out they were related. And And you know how Darth Vader figured out what Luke got him for Christmas, right? <sighs> How? Well, he he felt his presence. I'm going to need more wine. Dansby throws to first base. Is this happening? It is! The Atlanta Braves are world champions! Welcome to the Chatting Average Podcast, presented by Sports Drink. Here are your hosts, Cam Matthews and Alex Butler. Now you're all in big, big trouble. Welcome to your friendly neighborhood Atlanta Braves podcast. Welcome to Chatting Average. I'm your host, Alex, joined, as always, by my trusty sidekick, Mr. Cam Matthews. Cam, how you doing today? What? Shaking bacon. Oh, not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. We've had uh, an interesting week of baseball. But before we get into all that, you know, we got to tell you about a sponsor that helps to bring this show to you every single week. It's ColorCast. ColorCast, a live audio-only sports talk platform that is free to download and use. You can talk to me, Cam, other fans, athletes, insiders, all in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, reacting to breaking news, anything that happens, go on, share your own experiences. All you got to do is download the ColorCast app for free in the iOS app store, create a profile, link your Twitter, join our group, follow me at Riley's Rakes to be notified when my room goes live. And we'll be going live on ColorCast, as always, on Wednesdays at 8.30 p.m. So show up with your spiciest takes. Cam, you got any spicy takes for us this week? No, I'm pretty tired. Not going to lie. <laughs> it sounds like, like you've had a, a hell of a fun weekend. What have you been doing? Goodness. All right. So it, it's been, it's full disclosure. It's been a long week. It has been a super long week. So I think I've mentioned it on the show a time or two, but in high school, I was uh, heavily involved in my high school's theater arts program. And so my former uh, high school theater arts teacher is retiring at the end of this school year. So props to him uh, for getting his tenure in and finally retiring from the uh, from the teaching biz. And so he reached out to me a couple of months ago and was like, hey, I'm putting on my final show and would absolutely love for some former you know students of mine to come back and be involved in some capacity. So I was brought back on. Uh, to kind of play MC 
of the show. It was a musical review, so various dancing and singing numbers. So my job was to just go out there in between every few segments and introduce who was coming on stage and what the piece was from and, and that sort of thing. Um, so, but because of that, you know, rehearsal on Monday, Tuesday, a show on Wednesday, off night on Thursday, and then final show on Friday. All that being said, uh, Friday after the show, uh, all of my former alumni and I, plus our theater director, uh, being that we are all drinking age now, decided to go have a uh, post-show party. And I didn't get home till about 2.30 Saturday morning. Ooh, and I don't know if you guys realize this, but that's really late for me. It's <laughs> uh, very and, late for most And people. then, yeah, and so then it, uh, it kind of ruined me for the rest of the weekend. And then we went to a wedding last night where I had uh, probably way too much alcohol, uh, but had a grand old time. And so here I am at 9.30 on a Sunday night recording a podcast for you fine people. After, what, half a bottle of wine? Uh, more like three quarters. But that's, that is neither, Getting that is neither weekend, here son. That is neither here nor there. I, I am, <laughs> I am uh, drinking Propel right now, though, trying to rehydrate myself. So a uh, swig <laughs> of electrolytes for the working man. Need to be drinking some Pedialyte in the morning. Good Lord. Yeah, yeah, fun <laughs> times, fun times. Not as fun of a time as you're going to have the next couple of weeks. This is true. <clears throat> so, uh, so yeah, my wife and I, as anyone who's followed me online for a while knows, that we, we, we love to travel. Um, and we haven't really been able to travel internationally in, in several years, which is an abnormally long time for us. So we are uh, we're taking a, a trip for our third anniversary, which is June 1st, uh, flying out to Rome and taking a cruise from Rome around Italy and the Greek islands. So we will be uh, we will be out of the country for a couple of weeks and it's going to be a lot of fun. I did not realize that Rome, Georgia had a uh, water canal access. <laughs> it does. It does. <laughs> Direct line to the Mediterranean. It's crazy. That, that, that's that's incredible. That's incredible. What a what a time to be alive. It's about like that uh, that Outer Banks show on Netflix where the main characters took a uh, took a ferry from the Outer Banks of North Carolina to Chapel Hill, uh, which is something you can definitely do. <laughs> I, I don't recall that route from my time living in Chapel Hill. Uh, I think you have to take the Cape Fear over to the Deep River and then uh, make your way into Chapel Hill. But yeah, it can be done. It, it, it can. T- yeah, why not? Sure. Why, why not? Um, speaking of why not, just because I'm riled up about it, uh, I'm just going to throw this out there. If you care as much as to what other adults wear to <laughs> an athletic event. I didn't then, even need to set you up for it. I love it. No, no, you, you just you don't have enough good things going on in your life. <laughs> there there have literally been 69,000 different people who have gone on Twitter to make the same complaint of grown adults shouldn't wear jerseys to a baseball game. And every single time they get eviscerated. And yet more goobers still come about to make this argument, which is absolutely completely dumb. <laughs> Let grown adults do what they want if they're not hurting anybody. <laughs> it's so, yeah, so dumb. Well, I've, been, I've been told by the internet that I can't wear jerseys. Uh, I can't wear athletic shorts to a baseball game. Um, I, I forget what else, but probably another uh, another unwritten rule that I'm definitely going to break. Yeah, people are people are dumb. 
<laughs> they really are. Scott for Scott's here. You ever want to grow new grass faster? Kind of like when you press the two times playback button on your podcast so you can speed through episodes. Except it's Scott's turf build a rapid grass. You're speeding your way from a thin and damaged lawn to a thicker, stronger one in just weeks. Bit too fast, maybe slow it down. Okay. Let's just go back to normal speed. Get a bag of Scott's Turf Builder Rapid Grass today. It grows grass two times faster than seed alone when applied at the new lawn rate subject to proper care. Feed your lawn. Feed it. So, uh, let's see. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go find his name. The reason I bring this up because there was a uh, main character on, on Twitter today. Uh, let's see. His name is Alvin Cohen. You can find him at Alvin, A-L-V-I-N, Cohen, C-O-W-A-N. <laughs> All one word, at Alvin Cohen. Uh, His Twitter bio says, Writing threads on the intersection of sports entertainment, actor, writer, podcaster, 20-plus years in Hollywood, and still going. Next, Better Call Saul. He has been on Twitter since February of 2011. He has just a little over 2,000 followers. Uh, Yeah, so do us a favor. Go on Twitter. Post a picture of yourself wearing a jersey at a baseball game. And be sure to tag Mr. Alvin Cohen. So let's let's break this down a bit. This guy uh, has been in Hollywood for 20 years and has yes. not done anything of note enough to get more than 2,000 people to follow him on Twitter. Hey, Meanwhile, I hit a milestone this week with, uh, with my Riley's Rakes account. Hit 10,000 followers. And all I do is shit post about baseball. So let's see. Maybe that guy uh, shouldn't be the one <laughs> giving anyone advice on on how to run their lives. Um. Okay. Neither should I, for the record, but but definitely not him. All right. So I have pulled up Alvin Cohen's IMDb. Ooh, he has an IMDb. Nice. He, he yeah, he has. Uh, he has appeared on five episodes of This Is Us as the as a character entitled Townie. So, <laughs> so that's great. Twenty um, years, and it gets yeah. you a role as a townie. Yep. Um, he was on Westworld in 2018 as character Burley Confederado. So, so we're really. <laughs> Really working with something here. Um, he was on an episode of NCIS in 2015 as Metro PDLEO. So, did he? Did he? Uh, did he win an Emmy for that one? No, no, no. Although his episode entitled "Check" in 2015 was uh, surely, surely snubbed that year. Um, let's see. He was on an episode of Grey's Anatomy in 2014 as Robert Number Two. We yeah. all remember that performance. <laughs> on the episode of Grey's Anatomy, could we start again, please, from 2018? You know, going uh, he, into it, I thought Robber Number One was going to steal the show, but when Robber Number Two showed up, oh, oh man, 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 I tell you, I tell you, he uh, he really, really gave it his all in that one. Uh, he was also in the movie American Sniper in 2014 as a uh, Marine Lieutenant Dever, uncredited though. But I tell you, you can't just uh, you can't put credit on immense talent. Uh, let's see. <laughs> He was in the critically acclaimed movie loved by millions in 2011 called Cowboys and Indians as Captain Bugle. <laughs> well, ooh, this ooh, episode on, of Chatting Average where we're just going to drag people we dislike online. Wait. 
He he. Okay, this guy. Don't this tell guy. me you found something you recognize. No, I have not. But uh, he may or may not be a typecast actor because, as I've already mentioned, in 2014 wow. he was he was robber number two on Grey's Anatomy. Oh. Well, in 2011 on the TV series Private Practice, he was also robber number two. Oh, so. For anybody out there casting your upcoming D-list television series, if you need robber number two, <laughs> reach out to Alvin Cohen. But be warned, for God's sake, don't wear a jersey around him because he will just lose his ever-loving mind. <laughs> oh, man. Well, uh, well. speaking of, of people annoying others, uh, did you... Did, did you see the Josh Donaldson stuff, Cam? Mm, yeah. Ooh. Yeah, I did. I it's, did. It's kind of, it, I don't, I, I honestly don't know what to think about it. Um, so apparently as Tim Anderson was running off the field during a Yankees White Sox game the other night, uh, he ran by third base and Josh Donaldson hollered something at him. Uh, about not being Jackie Robinson, which on the surface sounds a little racist. He went on. Is, to, is, is that what he said, or did he just call? I thought it was that he just called him Jackie. I, I don't know the the exact quote. Uh, I think I think it was that he it just was some sort of a reference to him being or not being Jackie Robinson. Well, and Donaldson's Donaldson's explanation of it was that. It was in reference to a 2019 interview that Tim Anderson did where in Donaldson's words that he, that Tim Anderson felt like he was the modern day Jackie Robinson because of the fun that he brought, fun and energy he brought to the game, yada, yada, yada. But if I remember correctly, that's not exactly why Tim Anderson used that quote. The reason he, the reason he used that parallel was because he said that he in ways he feels like the modern day Jackie Robinson because he is persecuted for how he plays the game. So Tim Anderson made the correlation in a bit of a negative sense because of how he felt he was being treated. Whereas Josh Donaldson claimed that Anderson didn't, he used it in a way of a positive sense and got it. And so that's why Donaldson called him Jack. I I don't know. Well, and then, and then Kyle Hendricks got into it and threw his two cents in there. And we had, we had an angry Aussie on our hands, uh, which is always fun to watch. Uh, and he gave an interview where uh, where he had some pretty scathing words for for Josh Donaldson. So it looks like we're gonna we're gonna have an ongoing feud between two teams wearing black and white: the uh, the Yankees and and White Sox. You mean Something. to tell me? You mean to tell me that Josh Donaldson is not getting along with somebody and causing a ruckus? Shocking! Shocking! I tell you. You mean to tell me that that Yankees fans are upset with a, a team that ends in socks? You know, it it was it was it was dumb of Donaldson to say it. It, it in my opinion, because how many people actually remembered that article from twenty nineteen from, from three years ago? Exactly, exactly. I wasn't aware it existed until this whole thing popped up. Right. And I, yeah, it, it was dumb. Don't don't say dumb things. Don't say dumb things. Like you know, if you're gonna if you want to start a fight on the baseball field, just you know, be be just straightforward and be like, hey, 
bitch or something like that. I don't know. Right. Like you would to me, essentially. I, I do it almost every day in our chat. <laughs> Quite frequently. <laughs> it is one of my favorite words just to toss around out there because bitch. it's just it's it's just it's it's applicable to everybody. Well, what do you think about Will Smathers, Cam? He's kind of a bitch. It's a little bit of a bitch. Not not gonna lie, he's a little bit of a bitch. Yeah. Easy, uh, easy to decipher there. All right. Well, that's enough ranting and raving for one week. What do you say we get into some cool moments from this week in baseball history? Let's do it. All right. We are going to jump into this week in baseball history. As always, you can find these facts at nationalpastime.com. And the week we're going to be looking at is May 23rd through the 29th. Our first fact comes to us from May 23rd, 2000. Mariners outfielder Ricky Henderson draws his 2,000th career walk, becoming the third player in in baseball history to reach the milestone. Hall of Famers Babe Ruth and Ted Williams are the only major leaguers to have accomplished the feat as well. Wow. Known Mariners outfielder Ricky Henderson. <laughs> he, I think he played for like everybody towards the tail end of his career. Yeah, yeah. I think the Mariners are the ones that like I just did not think about the fact that he played I, for them. I, I would never have guessed that he played for them until you just said that. Especially in the year 2000. Ricky Henderson played professional baseball in the year 2000. Yes, that fact was from the year 2000. All right, so let's look up exactly how long uh, his career was and just how many teams he played for because we will never stop talking about Ricky Henderson on this podcast. Never. Uh, Let's see. Ricky Henderson played for 24 Major League seasons from 1979 to 2003. Wow. That's nuts. In that time, he played for Oakland, New York Yankees, Oakland again, Toronto, Oakland for a third time, San Diego Padres, Anaheim Angels, Oakland for a fourth time, New York Mets, Seattle Mariners, San Diego Padres for a second time, Boston Red Sox, and finished his career with the Dodgers. Huh. He is a 10-time All-Star, two-times World Series champion, AL MVP in 1990, ALCS MVP in 1989, one Gold Glove Award, three Silver Sluggers, and 12-time American League Stolen Base Leader. I'm honestly surprised that it was only 12 times. Well, Which is crazy because 12 is insane. Well, hang on. 12-time American League Stolen Base Leader, so let's see. Oh, yeah, could have been National League Stolen Base Leader. Yeah. Went to the Mets, you said, right? No, uh, National League team, so... Let's see, one, two, three, four, five. The first, from 79 to 95, he played in just the American League. Okay. And then from then on, he played National League, American League, American League, National League, American League, National League, American League, National League. Huh. It's wild. And he went to the Hall of Fame in 2009 with 94% Wow. of the ballot. 94 that's, I, I mean, I, I, there's no, I can't think of a way to put a metric on this, but I wonder if anybody's ever played for that many teams and got also gotten that high of a first ballot vote. Hmm. That is a good question. Let's see. Most. Oh, you think you're going to be able to look that up? 
it's pretty intricate stuff on on the screen. I'm 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 gonna give it one quick Google search and then we're done. <laughs> Let's see. It's like the ultimate journeyman hall of famer. Put Jamie Moyer in the Hall of Fame. Well, baseballhall.org has a a page for Hall of Famers who played with seven or more teams. Oh my god. All right. So it needs a whole page? Yeah, apparently. The following members of the Hall of Fame played with at least seven teams during their major league careers. Roberto Alomar, seven. Dan Brothers, 11. Goose Gossage, nine. Burley Grimes, seven. Ricky Henderson, nine. Waite Hoyt, seven. King Kelly, seven. Jim O'Rourke, eight. Gaylord Perry, eight. Al Simmons, seven. Lee Smith, eight. Deacon White, nine. And Hoyt Wilhelm, Nine. All right. So let's see. Dan Brothers. Let's see what his ballot looked like. Dan Brothers was an American League first ba- was an American first baseman in Major League Baseball whose career spanned from the period of 1879 to 1896 with a brief return in 1904. Huh. So he retired for eight years and then was like, you know what? I'm gonna give it another shot. I still got one in me. Nicknamed Big Dan for his size, he was six foot two and weighed 207 pounds, which was large by 19th century standards. Hey, that's still pretty big today. That's not small by 2022 no. standards. Six two, two hundred. I mean, that's a that's a that's a large lad. Uh, he was elected by the Veterans Committee, so he doesn't count. Okay, I'll report back next week on this because this there will take. For, <laughs> I I would be. Checking. I was going to say that's a ridiculous amount of research to try to do on the spot. I would actually I'll I'll report this on on the show's Twitter account sometime this week. There we go. Yeah, there we go. All right. Our next fact comes to us from May 25th, 2005. You brought Jamie Moyer up a minute I ago. I did. Okay, well, I'm going to bring him up again here. Funny yes. enough. Love me in some a, Jamie Moyer. In a game against the Orioles, the Mariners' starting battery consists of a pair of veterans when Southpaw Jamie Moyer and backstop Pat Borders appear in the same lineup. According to Elias Sports Bureau, the age of the players marks the first time in Major League history that the starting pitcher and catcher for a team has consisted of two players 42 years or older. So, 42-year-old pitcher, that's one thing. We've seen multiple guys go into their 40s pitching. A 42-year-old catcher, however. That's, That's bananas. Like... The moment that a catcher reaches the major leagues, I feel like the the hourglass is slowly or is very quickly slipping away. Right oh, there. yeah. Because that is yeah, just now, a brutal now catchers, position. Catchers are like running backs. Like the ones that are good after 30 are are few and far between. Has JT Real Muto hit 30 yet? Uh, if not, he's like right up against it. I can never remember how old he actually is. JT Real Muto is 31 years old. Gotcha. There we go. He's just a couple years older than me and several years younger than you. All right. Wasted his prime with the Phillies. God almighty. Should have just stayed with Miami. Anyway. Our next fact. Okay, let's talk about that for a second. Okay. In, In hindsight, if he had somehow blocked that trade to go to Philadelphia, do you think he would be better off right now? Because he wouldn't necessarily define, define better off. Okay, okay. So my, my mindset is that he would not necessarily be with Miami 
at this point, obviously. No, def- he definitely would not be. But he would probably be with a better team. Or a team that he'd be happier with. Yeah. Because we've seen lots of still images of JT Real Muto that, that suggests that he's not thrilled about being on the Phillies roster, which, I mean, if that is the case, how could you blame the guy? Right, right. Hey, and speaking of that trade, do do we ever see Sixto Sanchez again? I don't know. He just fell off the face of the earth. It's weird. He had a few, like, really good starts, and he had a really good playoff start against the Cubs that the other year when Miami made it into that wild card round. I uh, I went on I went on locked on Marlins a little earlier this year to to talk about the a Braves Marlins series and the first question I had for the host his name's Peter was look I've got this really nice Sixto Sanchez rookie card should I hang on to it <laughs> <laughs> and and and, he, and uh, I mean maybe this is uh, them being blind fans but they're convinced they're convinced that Sixto is going to come back and be that guy and. <sighs> I genuinely hope he does because you Me know too. they they, they Marlins they, are a got, fun team. They are. They've got something really fun, you know, especially like, you know, you look at a guy like um Really everyone except for Don Mattingly on the Marlins, I I kind of like. Yeah. Yeah, I like Jazz Chisholm. That guy's great. Um Sandy Alcantara, that guy's great. Seeing the Braves and Jesus Aguilar go back and forth through the this most recent uh uh Braves Marlins series was fantastic. Oh, it's hilarious. Jesus, Jesus Aguilar is low-key one of the funniest guys in baseball. He's amazing. Because he's he's so he's so dry about everything. And that he's built like the stay puffed marshmallow man. Yes, like you almost believe he's being like for serious when he yeah. does things. It's great. <laughs> it's great. All right. Our next fact comes to us from May 27th, 2017. So, Alex, last week. We talked about Casey at the bat. We did. Right. All right. Well, this week, we're going to talk about Homer at the bat. On May 27th, 2017, the Baseball Hall of Fame inducts fictional character Homer Simpson as part of the celebration (laughs) of the 25th anniversary of the Simpsons episode, Homer at the bat. As part of the celebration, a roundtable discussion of the much-beloved episode includes comments by real Hall of Famers Wade Boggs and Ozzie Smith, who played themselves on the animated show, as well as executive producers Al Jean and Mike Reese, director Jim Reardon, and executive story editor Jeff Martin. So That's awesome. All-time episode of The Simpsons. I, I, You're going to hate me, but I cannot remember that episode off the top of my head. It's where, it's where the Mattingly sideburned joke come from, comes from. I got nothing. I got to go back and watch that one. You don't know the joke of Mattingly, you got to shave those sideburns. No. Oh gosh. Okay. It is an all time episode of the Simpsons. Okay. Well that is, I I will, I will download that and watch it on the plane on Wednesday. You absolutely should. Have we talked about the Simpsons very much on this show? I feel like we have a ton. Okay. Uh, Cam Matthews, huge Simpsons guy. For me, like I, I loved the Simpsons when I, when I was little. Yeah. But by the time I was, I don't know, 12, 13, like adolescence hit, I, I like South Park had just started and was getting huge. That's fair. Um, So I, I latched onto that. And then right after that, there was Family Guy, which I latched onto as well later in high school. Um, Right. 
And so like the Simpsons was always there and I always liked it, but I never really got into it as much as I did those other ones. That's fair. That's fair. I think, I think by the time I jumped on the Simpsons, by the time, like I was at the, at an appropriate age where my parents would, would, you know, let me watch it. It was already in syndication at that point. And so, I don't know, we're talking like 2000, 2002, maybe where they kind of let me watch it a little bit. So by that point, it's in syndication. So mostly what I was seeing was like the original seasons one through five, which I, I'm a firm believer that seasons one through five, one through six of The Simpsons, so 89 to 95, 96, somewhere in there, mm-hmm. is still some of the best written television ever put on air. It, oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's like, so great. You look back, it was, wasn't that when uh, when their lead writer was Conan O'Brien? Yes, yeah, yeah. Conan was heavily involved in it at that point. Who, in, um, in my opinion, is one of the most underrated funny men of of our generation. He he absolutely is. And so, and, and a fun and a fun thing about that time period too is that a lot of the other writers involved during that specific time period, if you're a big fan of Futurama, those are the same people that eventually went on to do Futurama with, with Matt Groening, which so, explains why that was such an amazing show. Yes, absolutely. That literally the smartest writers from The Simpsons transitioned into Futurama when Fox Studios started pumping other writers into The Simpsons. Um, so, uh, yeah, Simpsons podcast coming to a feed near you. Uh, <laughs> I did. I did have one question uh, referencing yeah. back to to the fact. Yes. Um, was was Dan Castellaneta present for the induction? It did not mention whether he was or not, but I feel like he has to be, right? Yeah, like, how do you induct the Simpsons and not have the voice of Homer doing the acceptance speech? Let's see. Back to Google. That might be a YouTube search there. For real. Uh, I I do not see whether or not. Hang on. So It does not look like he was there. Oh, that's which is fascinating to me. But so there. hold on. The list goes far beyond Wade Boggs and Ozzie Smith of who was in that episode. Oh, yeah. It was yeah, Wade there, Boggs, there are some... Jose Canseco, Roger Clemens, Ken Griffey Jr., Don Mattingly, Mike Sosha, Steve Sachs, Ozzie Smith and Daryl Strawberry. Oh, it! I'm telling you, it is a tremendous episode and some awful things happen to some of these baseball players. in this. Oh, episode. that's great. <laughs> poor uh poor king griffey jr you'll see what i mean <laughs> no it does not appear that dan castellaneta was there but if you go if you find the hall of fame page uh where there's a press release uh, about this all the way from uh from way back uh there is a fun little image of homer simpson in the official baseball hall of fame uh jersey top which is which is really neat. that's pretty cool yeah yeah very cool so so go go check that episode out because the simpsons is great All right, and our final fact comes to us from May 29th, 1962, so 60 years ago this week. Buck O'Neill, previously a scout with the Cubs, becomes the first black coach in Major League Baseball after accepting a job with the organization. Hey, cool. So I need need all of the information there is to know about Buck O'Neill because if you have ever watched any of the Ken, Ken Burns baseball documentary buck o'neill is absolutely the star of that documentary huh that man i I have not and i know that's a that's a crime 
How long of a flight do you have? Nine hours. Okay. Go somewhere, go find somewhere where you can download at least a couple of episodes of Ken Burns' baseball documentary and start watching. If any of it's on Netflix, I'm on it. I don't believe it's on Netflix. It may be on Prime, though. Prime Video. Maybe we'll watch it there. I don't know. Maybe. maybe. But there is a moment, and the video goes around, you know, quite a bit, and you've probably seen it. Uh, where where Buck O'Neill just like in one of his talking head pieces from um from the documentary sings "Take Me Out to the Ball Game," and it is just the best. He was the most like wholesome baseball human being you've ever seen, and it's great. Buck O'Neill, fantastic person. In twelve Negro League seasons, he batted uh two eighty eight, um had three hundred and sixty one hits, um. Only 11 home runs, so he wasn't a power guy. Stole 56 bases, had 176 RBIs. Not bad numbers for for 12 years there. No, not at all. But I mean, when you consider the fact that he was the very first, the first African American baseball man or baseball coach, like oh yeah, I, uh, and and just the, what, the and, list and, of and, the list of posthumous awards he was given. Uh, is a is a little disappointing. You like to see these guys get get recognized while they're while they're still around. Right, right. I, there is was, a there is one Buck O'Neill legacy seat still at Kauffman Stadium now. That's cool. Very cool. Yeah, I'm seeing that now. Uh, and that was announced by Joe Morgan at the time. Oh, very cool. So very very neat. Uh, I mean, he was, he was just a guy that was just such an advocate for the game, too, you know. And I think, I don't know, I it, it, it's a shame that he's just now getting into the hall, but nonetheless, well-deserved and very happy for the guy. You should absolutely go learn more about Buck O'Neill, which it appears that you can because there was a book in 2017 released uh, written by Joe Posnas- Posnansky called The Soul of Baseball, A Road Trip Through Buck O'Neill's America. Hmm. So. Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm not too big on books, Cam. I'm, I'm, I'm bigger on the spoken word. Do you know, do you know anywhere where I can, uh, I, can, I can learn some useful tidbits via spoken word? Boy, do I. The perfect place for you to do that is ColorCast. Folks, you know by now, ColorCast is a free app Download it on your phone, link it to your Twitter account, hop on every Wednesday night with either Alex or I at 8.30, or like this past week where we let the inmates run the asylum because neither Alex or I were actually available. That was was Cam's idea. Yeah, so uh, shout out to to the uh, group chat crew for keeping that thing running, uh, specifically uh, Meg and Bailey and Josh. I think Bobby might have jumped on there as well and a few others, so uh, shout out. Shout out to those guys for keeping that I'm, thing I'm sure running. Tyler Knight was in there. He's Oh, I have no doubt. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but ColorCast, again, is a, just a weekly little fun segment we have on the app. Uh, we talk baseball. We talk pop culture. We talk movies, TV shows, anything you like. So every Wednesday night at 830, hop on the ColorCast app. Free to download, free to use, easy to use as well. Jump on with Alex or I and bring your spiciest takes. All right, guys, we will be right back to take a look at the past week for the Braves and see what lies ahead. All right, folks, you know the drill. It's been an up and down week for the Atlanta Braves. Well, it's been a it's been a down and up week for the Atlanta Braves. Let's put it that way. 
Yeah. Started on Monday the 16th with uh with a three-game series against the Brewers. We had Ian Anderson on the hill taking on Peralta. Anderson goes six innings, allowing four hits, one earned run, walking two and striking out three. Peralta goes seven innings, two hits, no earned runs, one walk, ten strikeouts. It was a pitching battle the whole way through. Ian and Spencer Strider were fantastic for the Braves. Peralta, Devin Williams, and Josh Hader were just slightly better for the Brewers. The only run of the game scored on an Ian Anderson wild pitch. Brewers win the game one to nothing. <clears throat> that was that I mean, hurts. You're gonna have some of those games, but man, that was that was frustrating. Still not the most painful game from this week, but we'll get to that. Yeah, and came back on Tuesday. This remember, this is the spot that we had been talking about for for I think two episodes prior as the Spencer Strider spot. Like this. This could definitely be where we see him getting his start. Well, when we saw him come out to relieve Ian Anderson on Monday, pretty well assumed that we weren't going to see him on Tuesday, and that was the case. But who did we see, Cam? We saw friend of the show, Tucker Davidson, get called back up to the show and get a spot start for the Braves. Hey, Tucky! All Tucky did was go five innings and allow only three hits with zero earned runs. Walked three, struck out three. But the cool thing, and this is kind of weird to say because it seems like he's been around for for maybe a little bit longer than he has, Tucker Davidson gets his first major league win. Oh, I was was shocked to see that fact. Very cool, though. Very cool. Uh, He was going up against Adrian Hauser. Hauser went six innings, allowed four hits, one unearned run, walked two, and struck out six. Again, we got minimal offense from the Braves. Uh, The Duvall scored in the fifth on an Acuna fielder's choice. Marcelo Zuna did pop pop a two-run homer in the eighth. Uh, Braves won three to nothing. So we evened the series, had a great chance to uh, to take the series in Milwaukee going into Wednesday. So Wednesday comes around. It's the big Max Fried-Corbin Burns game, uh, one that we fully expected to be a, a pitcher's duel, much like the first two. Uh, well, that was not so much the case this time around. Freed went six innings, allowing seven hits, three earned runs, walking two and striking out six. Corbin Burns went six innings, allowing the same seven hits, four earned runs, no walks, and five strikeouts. Austin Riley and Marcelo Zuna both homered in the third, uh, with Riley's being a three-run shot to give the Braves a four-to-nothing lead early. The Brewers come back in the fourth, get two RBI singles, make it four-to-two. In the sixth, Brasso gives a Brasso has an RBI double for the Brewers to cut the lead to four to three, and then in the bottom of the ninth, Colton Wong gets an RBI triple to send it to extras. God, I hate extra innings. I do not like extra innings. Braves do not score runs in extra innings. Well, that changed. In the top of the tenth, we get. Riley grounding into his fielder's choice, scoring Ronald Acuna Jr. Braves took a 5-4 to four lead in the 10th inning. Well, we go to the bottom of the 10th, and unfortunately, a Hunter Renfro sack fly is all it took to tie the game up at 5. Sends it to the 11th. 
We get to the 11th, and Travis Darno, Johnny Bench reincarnate, gets us an RBI single to give the Braves a 6-5 to five lead going into the bottom of the 11th. And then Keston here, uh, it's a two-run walk-off home run <laughs> in the bottom of the 11th. Brewers win 7-6. to six. Braves managed to blow three saves in the same game. That one hurt. That one hurt real bad. Yeah, that was just one of those ones where it was just like, oh boy, we were really just not meant to win this game at all. Three leads. Three leads. Uh, so you drop the series up in Milwaukee to the Brewers. You have an off day on Thursday to regroup. You get down to Miami for a three-game set against the Marlins on Friday. Charlie Morton takes the hill going up against uh, against Trevor Rogers. Is it Trevor or Tyler? There, there are a bunch of Rogers out there. I don't know. The Marlins. Roger <laughs> Damn it. Charlie Morton gives us five and a third, allowing seven hits, three earned runs, walking one and striking out five, while Rodgers for the Marlins goes four innings, allowing eight hits, five earned runs, two walks, and five strikeouts. Uh, Ozzie Albies gets an RBI single, and Marcelo Zuna hits a two-run homer in the first inning, and the Braves are out to an early three-to-nothing lead. That's back-to-back games with a homer for Marcelo Zuna after he'd been slumping a little bit. Come back in the second, Dansby Swanson solo home run, Braves lead four to nothing. Dansby looks like he's starting to get it figured out at the plate a little bit. Don't let Dansby get out. And he is playing otherworldly defense right now. Like, really, like it, it I I I I won't say that he's better defensively than Andrelton was for us, but damn it, he's close. He's really close. I mean, he does. He, he does what is could, should be considered uh, above average defense exceptionally well. That Anderson, Anderson, without a doubt, made the flashier plays. Like more often than not, there would be a play from Simmons where it was like, "How in God's name did he make that play?" But Dansby still makes plays that other shortstops do not. Very quite true. often. And- and uh, started, I, they started pointing out on the broadcast uh, something that I hadn't paid a ton of attention to. But when Dansby is out there backing up Riley or backing up Ozzy, he's he's quarterbacking the infield. Oh yeah, and he's there were a couple of instances this weekend where where they they made it a point to go out of their way and say, "Look at this that he's doing." Like he's. He he may not have touched the ball on a given play, but he's still out there directing traffic. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, I mean, you know, more often than not, when there's a you know when there's a consultation on the mound with uh, you know with, with whoever, more often than not, he's the lone infielder coming to the mound. He's, I mean, he's is... always done it. Uh, every time there's a mound meeting, uh, he's he's always out there. Uh, and I thought uh, when he first came up, I thought it was kind of goofy. I thought it was a little silly that he was always up there, but now that that we've seen him uh, mature defensively, it, it really makes a lot more sense to me now. Now that we've watched him for a few years, but 
Uh, saying all this to say that I'm going to echo myself and 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 reiterate that I do not care how bad Dansby Swanson's bat gets sometimes. Do not care. If he can play defense like that and he can quarterback our defense the way that he does, I I, I don't care what you do with the bat. For like, sure. There is enough value in that defense to completely negate any ne- anything negative you can do with your bat. Yeah, and and I've, I've said it before, too. The worst thing that ever happened to Dansby Swanson is that he's Dansby Swanson. <laughs> exactly. You, you, you can't be that pretty and swing a soft stick. <laughs> well, you can't be the number one overall pick, either. This is true. This is true. Uh, so back to the game. Uh, Dilla Cruz gets an RBI single for the, for the Marlins in the second. Makes it four to one Braves. And then in the third, Travis Darno comes out and blasts a solo home run, making it five to one. This was a really fun game for Braves fans. We got to see the Braves score a lot of runs, and we got to see Jorge Soler hit a monster two run shot in the sixth. They did five to three Braves. Uh, and then uh we got we got some really good bullpen action, even though uh Charlie didn't finish six innings. McHugh, Strider, Minter, and Smith combined for three and two-thirds, allowing only three hits, no walks, no earned runs, and struck out four. That is the kind of production you want to see out of a bullpen that you built to be elite. That'll do. That will do. Braves win five to three. Start this trip off right. Saturday, Cam. Yes. You know, you know what day Saturday was? Tell me. It was Kyle Wright Day. I do like Kyle Wright Day. We all like Kyle Wright Day. (laughs) Kyle Wright was going up against Alicia Hernandez for the Marlins. Wright went five innings, allowed only two hits, no earned runs, three walks, and six strikeouts. Hernandez goes five innings, allowing three hits, one earned run, one walk, and five strikeouts. It was definitely a pitcher's duel as there was no score until the fifth inning before William Contreras comes in and blasts a solo homer, putting the Braves up one to nothing. Come back for the sixth, and Marcelo Zuna and Adam Duvall each get RBI singles, putting the Braves up three to nothing. Jorge Soler comes back to bite us again, though, with a an RBI double in the sixth, trimming the lead to three to one. But in the seventh, William Contreras again blasts a homer, Putting the Braves up four to one. William Contreras has 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 six home runs on the season. William Contreras has played in eleven games. Oh boy, uh, yeah, he's he's pretty good. I I've said this to Cam a couple of times in in the group chat, and I will say it publicly on the air now. There is no catching rotation in all of baseball that stacks up against Travis Darno and William Contreras. It just doesn't exist. No, I, I think it's it's hard to argue that. Like, William, William Contreras leads major league catchers in home runs, and he's played in a, 11 games. He's played in 11 games. And, and he, he's, he's just, he's finding it. He is just finding it right now. He is absolutely mashing the ball. Even when it's not a home run, he is just hitting the snot out of it every time up there. Got to start figuring a way to shoehorn him into the lineup 
Uh, once we get Ronald back into the field a little bit more regularly, I, I really hope to see Contreras uh, and Ozuna kind of sharing that DH spot. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I think that works out really, really well. Um, I'll talk about demerit though. Do we have to? Very, very briefly. We had an episode like two weeks ago that was called Demerit Fans. Did we? Is that what you called that episode I wasn't on? <laughs> yeah. Oops. Anyway. Look, we're still Demerit Fans. Oh, oh, for sure, for sure. And and he, he pl- yes, he played out of his mind when he first came up for a few games there. It was, it was awesome. But I think... And obviously, no one expects Travis Demerit to to play up to the level that that Austin Riley uh, did last season or anything like that. But I think there is a parallel to be drawn between Austin Riley and Travis Demerit in that you saw them come up, they lit the world on fire when they first got to the show, and then the book got out on them, and everyone figured out how to pitch them. So I believe that we're at that stage with Travis Demerit. Yeah, I, I could I could agree with that. He just he just feels so lost at the plate right now. It, his defense is still perfectly fine, um, but yeah, he he'll find it. I think. I think so. Um, and and I think I don't think there's a better place in the world for for him to find it than than down in Gwinnett. Because those people work magic with just about everybody. Agreed. Agreed. So yeah, that was a rough one. But back to the game. The Contreras, the second Contreras home run put the Braves up four to one. The bullpen did give it up a run in both the eighth and the ninth. But uh but Kenley Jansen was able to recover and slam the door. Braves win four to three and win the series in Miami. So you come back on Sunday looking for a sweep. You had Ian Anderson going up against the Marlins ace, Sandy Alcantara. Anderson, six innings, seven hits, four earned runs, two walks, six strikeouts. Meanwhile, Sandy goes complete game, six hits, three earned runs, two walks, seven strikeouts. This was a tough one, and and Braves had plenty of opportunities to win it, but I, and there were a lot of people I saw on the internet who were very very upset about this loss, and and I, I get it to an extent, but but look, you you won the series, and the only game you lost was when their ace pitched a complete game. Yeah, I mean, it's. it's... <laughs> it stinks to lose, but you know, take the series and that's what you've got to do. Yeah. It was, it was a little bitter because uh, Braves were down four to one going into the the, the ninth and, uh, and managed to tack on two to make it four to three with a, a man, a man up and a runner on. Um, but they, they weren't able to, uh, to complete the comeback. So the Marlins won that one four to three. So you lose this, the series against the Brewers uh, but you win the series against the Marlins. And at this point, getting it done in the division is what matters most. So you can't be too, too upset about that. Well, we got more division play coming up for us, guys. 
Starting on Monday, we have a four-game set at home with the Phillies. First game of the series, Tucker Davidson is getting the mound for the Braves, going up against Zach Wheeler for the Phillies. It's a 7:20 start on Bally Sports. Oh, man, I really want to see Tucker throw another gem. Uh, this, uh, not only personally do we want to see this guy succeed, but... I mean, how huge would it be for the Braves if we could get out of Tucker what we got out of him up in Milwaukee last Tuesday? That would be uh, that would be pretty great. All right, and Tuesday we come back for another 7:20 start. Max Freed will be taking the hill up against Kyle Gibson for the Phillies. Uh, Wednesday is another 7:20 start. Got Morton on the hill going up against Ranger Suarez. On Thursday, this one is on ESPN+. Plus. Got a 7.20 start with Kyle Wright going up against Aaron Nola. Friday, we've got this, another series with Miami, so we get to see them again pretty soon. Uh, we'll, have, uh, we'll have a matchup of Ian Anderson and Alicia Hernandez, Tucker Davidson and Sandy Alcantara, and Max Fried and Pablo Lopez. So seven games in seven days for the Braves, all division games this week. It'll be uh, it'll be interesting to watch. It certainly it certainly does feel odd to just now be playing the Phillies. It's it's so like we're almost at the end of May and we're playing the Phillies for the first time. That's yeah. wild. Yeah, which I mean, the, this the schedule's kind of weird to begin with. Like, we're already done playing the Padres. We're already done playing the Brewers. It is odd. They didn't mix them up that much. No, Um, no, they didn't at all. Anyway. All right, guys. Well, today's episode of Chatting Average, as you know, is brought to you by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. Sports Drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They are here to help us grow and to hate your favorite team. A rising tide lifts all boats, so go check them out online or on social. Go to sportsdrink.org or open up Instagram and type in at S-P-R-T-S-D-R-N-K, spelled like sports drink, just without the vowels. All we ask is that you close the door behind you. Try not to let the funk out. Cam? Yes, Alex? Are you letting the funk out? I'm about to go to bed. Don't let the funk out. I'll, I'll probably cut a mean one before I lay down. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that is going to do it for today's episode of the Chatting Average Podcast. For Cam Matthews, I'm Alex. Cam, we'll see you all next week for another brand new episode of the Chatting Average Podcast. Bye. has been the chatting average podcast brought to you by sports drink be sure to check out our merchandise store at teespring.com slash stores slash chatting average podcast and please consider becoming a patron of our show at patreon.com slash chatting average we'll see you next week for another brand new episode 